Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of the Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends of the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, well, actually, it's a separate tab now called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email containing both the reading for the day as well as the lesson for the day. Uh, today, we continue our reading of Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation, with Section 7, The Vision of Christ. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 130, that being, it is impossible to see two worlds. And by way of opening this morning, I'm just really, really happy to bring this little poem from James Adair called The Heart Like a Compass. The heart does not understand boundaries. The heart is like a compass. It knows only what it feels and points that way. A compass needle knows only to point to true north. A heart only points in a direction it feels true. My heart only points without shame to you. The same, no matter where I turn or what I do, loving you seems the only thing to do. Heart like a compass, it is impossible to see two worlds. Amen. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Amen. A beautiful poem, isn't it? Okay, my friends, here's our reading list this morning. Lemoyne, Fran, Harrison, Jessica, Donna, and Robin Marie. I wonder if anyone else has joined us. Uh, that would like to be on the reading list or say good morning. I don't see anyone yet. So we'll go ahead and get started then. In Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation. In Section 7, The Vision of Christ. Beginning with Paragraph 53. The ego is trying to teach you how to gain the whole world and lose your own soul. The Holy Spirit teaches that you cannot lose your soul, and there is no gain in the world, for of itself it profits nothing. To invest in something without profit is surely to impoverish yourself, and the overhead is high. Not only is there no profit in the investment, but the cost to you is enormous. For this investment costs you the world's reality by denying yours and gives you nothing in return. You cannot sell your soul, but you can sell your awareness of it. You cannot perceive your soul, but you will not know it while you perceive anything else as more valuable. Lemoyne. Chapter 11, 
God's Plan for Salvation, Section 7, The Vision of Christ. The ego is trying to teach you how to gain the whole world and lose your own soul. The Holy Spirit teaches that you cannot lose your soul and there is no gain in the world for of itself it profits nothing. To invest in something without profit is surely to impoverish yourself and the overhead is high. Not only is there no profit in the investment, but the cost to you is enormous. For this investment costs you the world's reality by denying yours and gives you nothing in return. You cannot sell your soul, but you can sell your awareness. You cannot perceive your soul, but you will not know it while you perceive anything else as more valuable. You cannot perceive your soul, but you will not know it while you perceive anything else as more valuable. The Holy Spirit is your strength because he perceives nothing but your soul as you. <coughs> he is perfectly aware that you do not know yourself and perfectly aware of how to teach you what you are. Because he loves you, he will gladly teach you what he loves, for he wills to share it. Remembering you always, he cannot let you forget your worth. For the Father never ceases to remind him of his Son, and he never ceases to remind his Son of the Father. God is in your memory because of him. You chose to forget your Father, but you did not will to do so, and therefore you can decide otherwise. As it was my decision, so it is yours. Thank you, Lemoyne and Fran. 54. The Holy Spirit is your strength because he perceives nothing but your soul as you. He is perfectly aware that you do not know yourselves and perfectly aware of how to teach you what you are. Because he loves you, he will gladly teach you what he loves, for he wills to share it. Remembering you always, he cannot let you forget your worth. For the father never ceases to remind him of his son, and he never ceases to remind his son of the father. God is in your memory because of him. You chose to forget your father, but you did not will to do so, and therefore you can decide otherwise. As it was my decision, so is it yours. 55. You do not want the world. The only thing of value in it is whatever part of it you look upon with love. This gives it the only reality it will ever have. Its value is not in itself, but yours is in you. As self-value comes from self-extension, so does the perception of self-value 
come from the projection of loving thoughts outward. Make the world real unto yourself. For the real world is the gift of the Holy Spirit, and so it belongs to you. Thank you, Fran and Harrison. Fifty-five. You do not want the world. The only thing of value in it is whatever part of it you look upon with love. This gives it the only reality it will ever have. Its value is not in itself, but yours is in you. As self-value comes from self-extension, so does the perception of self-value come from the perception of loving thoughts outward. Make the world real unto yourself for the real world is the gift of the Holy Spirit and so it belongs to you. 56. Correction is for all who cannot see. To open the eyes of the blind is the Holy Spirit's mission. For he knows that they have not lost their vision, but merely sleep. He will awaken them from the sleep of forgetting to the remembering of God. Christ's eyes are open, and he will look upon whatever you see with love if you accept his vision as yours. Thank you, Harrison and Jessica. Thanks, Lori. 56. Correction is for all who cannot see. To open the eyes of the blind is the Holy Spirit's mission. For he knows that they have not lost their vision, but merely sleep. He would awaken them from the sleep of forgetting to the remembering of God. Christ's eyes are open, and he will look upon whatever you see with love if you accept his vision as yours. 57. The Holy Spirit keeps the vision of Christ for every son of God who sleeps. In his sight, the Son of God is perfect and he longs to share his vision with you. He will show you the real world because God gave you heaven. Through him, your father calls his son to remember. 
The awakening of his son begins with his investment in the real world. And by this, he will learn to reinvest in himself. For reality is one with the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit blesses the real world in their name. Oh, thank you, Jessica. And Donna. Fifty-seven. The Holy Spirit keeps the vision of Christ for every son of God who sleeps. In his sight, the Son of God is perfect, and he longs to share his vision with you. He will show you the real world, because God gave you heaven. Through him, your father calls his son to remember. The awakening of his son begins with his investment in the real world. And by this, he will learn to reinvest in himself. For reality is one with the father and the son. And the Holy Spirit blesses the real world in their name. Sorry. 58. When you have seen this real world, as you will surely do, you will remember us. You, yet you must learn the cost of sleeping and refuse to pay it. Only then will you decide to awaken. And then the real world will spring to your sight, for Christ has never slept. He is waiting to be seen, for he has never lost sight of you. He looks quietly upon the real world, which he would share with you, because he knows the the Father's love of him. And knowing this, He would keep, and knowing this, he would give you what is yours. In perfect peace, he wants for you at his father's altar. In perfect peace, he waits for you at his father's altar, holding out the father's love to you in the quiet light of the Holy Spirit's blessing. For the Holy Spirit will lead everyone home to his Father, where Christ waits as himself. Thank you, Donna. And Robin Marie. 58. <clears throat> when you have seen this real world, as you will surely do, you will remember us. Yet you must learn the cost of sleeping and refuse to pay it. Only then will you decide to awaken, and then the real world will spring to your sight, for Christ has never slept. He is waiting to be seen, for he has never lost sight of you. 
He looks quietly on the real world, which he would share with you, because he knows of the Father's love for him. And knowing this, he would give you what is yours. In perfect peace, he waits for you at his Father's altar, holding out the Father's love to you in the quiet light of the Holy Spirit's blessing. For the Holy Spirit will lead everyone home to his Father, where Christ waits as his self. 59. Every child of God is one in Christ, for his being is in Christ as Christ is in God. Christ's love for you is his love for his Father, which he knows because he knows his Father's love for him. When the Holy Spirit has at last led you to Christ at the altar to his Father, perception fuses into knowledge because perception has become so holy that its transfer to holiness is merely its natural extension. Love transfers to love without any interference, for the situations are identical. Only the ability to make this transfer is the product of learning. As you perceive more and more common elements in all situations, the transfer of your training under the Holy Spirit's guidance increases and becomes generalized. Gradually, you learn to apply it to everyone and everything. Four, its applicability is universal. When this has been accomplished, perception and knowledge have become so similar that they share the unification of the laws of God. Thank you, Robin Marie. And was there being a new reader for 59 and 16? Good morning, Lori. It's Karen. I can do it. Thank you, Karen. 59. Every child of God is one in Christ. For his being is in Christ as Christ is in God. Christ's love for you is his love for his Father which he knows because he knows his Father's love for him. When the Holy Spirit has at last led you to Christ at the altar to his Father, perception fuses into knowledge because perception has become so holy that its transfer to holiness is merely its natural extension. Love transfers to love without any interference for the situations are identical. Only the ability to make this transfer is the product of learning. As you perceive more and more common elements in all situations, the transfer of your training under the Holy Spirit's guidance increases and becomes generalized. Gradually, you learn to apply it to everyone and everything. For its applicability is universal. When this has been accomplished, perception and knowledge have become so similar that they share the unification of the laws of God. What, 60, what is one cannot be perceived as separate, and the denial of the separation 
is the reinstatement of knowledge. At the altar of God, the holy perception of God's Son becomes so enlightened that light streams into it, and the Spirit of God's Son shines in the mind of the Father and becomes one with it. Very gently does God shine upon himself, loving the extension of himself, which is his Son. The world has no purpose as it blends into the purpose of God, for the real world has slipped quietly into heaven, where everything eternal in it has always been. There the Redeemer and the redeemed join in perfect love of God and of each other. Heaven is your home, and being in God, it must also be in you. Oh, amen. And would there be another new reader to finish today with 60, please? This is Sandra. I can read. Thank you, Sandra. Okay. Oops, sorry. Okay. Um... Thank you for your patience. All right. What is one cannot be perceived as separate, and the denial of the separation is the reinstatement of knowledge. At the altar of God, the holy perception of God's Son becomes so enlightened that light streams into it and the Spirit of God's Son shines in the mind of the Father and becomes one with it. Very gently does God shine upon himself, loving the extension of himself, which is his Son. The world has no purpose as it blends into the purpose of God, for the real world has slipped quietly into heaven, where everything eternal in it has always been been. There the Redeemer and the redeemed join in perfect love of God and each other. Heaven is your home, and being in God, it must also be in you. Amen. This is another one of those sections that's so completely woven together, it's impossible to summarize. in my estimation, but I would just so love hearing it read one more time through. And it turns out we have enough readers if we start with Lemoyne and end with Sandra uh, to uh, take each one paragraph. Is that something um, we can agree on? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you just read my mind. (laughs) Thank you. All righty. Order that. We'll do one at a time, starting with Lemoyne, then Fran, Harrison, Jessica, Donna, Robin Marie, Karen, and Sandra. Okay? Great. Okay. 
So, Lemoyne, can you lead us off? I have a request. This is Sandra, and I'm expecting company at 10. So could I start off and have Lemoyne go last? Oh, sure. Absolutely. We'll just flip it like that. Thanks, Sandra. Okay. Okay. You go. Um, And so we start... Okay. Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation, Section 7, The Vision of Christ. The ego is trying to teach you how to gain the whole world and lose your own soul. The Holy Spirit teaches that you cannot lose your soul and there is no gain in the world. For of itself, it profits nothing. To invest in something without profit is surely to impoverish yourself. And the overhead is high. Not only is there no profit in the investment, but the cost to you is enormous. For this investment costs you the world's reality by denying yours and gives you nothing in return. You cannot sell your soul, but you can sell your awareness of it. You cannot perceive your soul, but you will not know it while you perceive anything else as more valuable. Amazing. Thank you. Oh, did you want me to read two paragraphs or just one? Just one, hon. Okay. We'll move on to Fran. Okay. 54. The Holy Spirit is your strength because he perceives nothing but your soul as you. Excuse me. He is perfectly aware that you do not know yourselves and perfectly aware of how to teach you what you are. Because he loves you, he will gladly teach you what he loves, for he wants to share it. Remembering you always, he cannot let you forget your worth. For the Father never ceases to remind him of his son, and he never ceases to remind his son of the Father. God is in your memory because of him. You chose to forget your father, but you did not will to do so. You can decide otherwise. As it was my decision, so is it yours. Thank you, friend. And Harrison. You do not want the world. The only thing of value in it is whatever part of it you look upon with love. This gives it the only reality it will ever have. Its value is not in itself, but yours is in you, as self-value comes from self-extension, so does the perception of the self-value come from the projection of loving thoughts outwards. Make the world real unto yourself, For the real world is the gift of the Holy Spirit 
and so it belongs to you. Thank you, Harrison and Jessica. <clears throat> 56. Correction is for all who cannot see. To open the eyes of the blind is the Holy Spirit's mission, for he knows that they have not lost their vision but merely sleep. He would awaken them from the sleep of forgetting to the remembering of God. Christ's eyes are open, and he will look upon whatever you see with love if you accept his vision as yours. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. 57. The Holy Spirit keeps the vision of Christ for every son of God who sleeps. In his sight, the Son of God is perfect, and he longs to share his vision with you. He will show you the real world because God gave you heaven. Through him, your father calls his son to remember. The awakening of his son begins with his investment in the real world. And by this, he will learn to reinvest in himself. For reality is one with the father and the son. And the Holy Spirit blesses the real world in their name. Thank you, Donna and Robin Marie. When you have seen this real world, as you will surely do, you will remember us. Yet you must learn the cost of sleeping and refuse to pay it. Only then will you decide to awaken, and then the real world will spring to your sight. For Christ has never slept. He is waiting to be seen. For he has never lost sight of you. He looks quietly on the real world, which he would share with you, because he knows of the Father's love for him. And knowing this, he would give you what is yours. In perfect peace, he waits for you at his Father's altar, holding out the Father's love to you in the quiet light of the Holy Spirit's blessing. For the Holy Spirit will lead everyone home to his Father, where Christ waits as his self. Thank you, Robert Marie and Karen. 59. Every child of God is one in Christ, for his being is in Christ as Christ is in God. Christ's love for you is his love for his father, which he knows because he knows his father's love for him. When the Holy Spirit has at last led you to Christ at the altar, to his father, perception fuses into knowledge because perception has become so holy that its transfer to holiness is merely its natural extension. Love transfers to love without any interference, for the situations are identical. 
Only the ability to make this transfer is the product of learning. As you perceive more and more common elements in all situations, the transfer of your training under the Holy Spirit's guidance increases and becomes generalized. Gradually, you learn to apply it to everyone and everything, for its applicability is universal. When this has been accomplished, perception and knowledge have become so similar that they share the unification of the laws of God. Thank you, Karen. And Lemoyne. What is one cannot be perceived as separate, and the denial of the separation is the reinstatement of knowledge. At the altar to God, the holy perception of God's Son becomes so enlightened that light streams into it, and the Spirit of God's Son shines in the mind of the Father and becomes one with Very gently does God shine upon himself, loving the extension of himself, which is his Son. The world has no purpose as it blends into the purpose of God. For so the real world has lived quietly in heaven, where everything eternal in it has always been. There the Redeemer and the redeemed join in perfect love of God and each other. Heaven is your home, and being in God, it must also be in you. Thank you, Lemoyne, and thank you, everyone who read this morning. And um, I mentioned earlier this week... Um, the great significance of putting paragraph 35 together with paragraph 60. So um, before we open the floor and do our lesson, I'd just like to remind us of paragraph 35 in this same chapter found in section 4, The Investment in Reality. You have defiled the altar, but not the world. Yet Christ has placed the atonement on the altar for you. Bring your perceptions of the world to this altar, for it is the altar to truth. There you will see your vision changed, and there you will learn to see truly. From this place, where God and his Son dwell in peace, and where you are welcome, you will look out in peace and behold the world truly. If to find this place, you must relinquish your investment in the world as you have projected it, allowing the Holy Spirit to project the real world to you from the altar of God. Oh, that just shivers me all over when I put 65 together with, or paragraph 60 with paragraph 35. So thanks for letting me do that, and thank you everyone who read. And the floor is open for about 
um, a few minutes before the top of the hour. Excuse me, Lori, could you... Yeah, I was just going to ask, could you read 60 as well, Lori, or or no? Well, that's a privilege. I can't resist. One more page. Maybe you could do 50 with with Uh, 60. No. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that, Karen. I was just wondering if you could read 55 again and then go right into 60. So they're together. I will. I will. 35. You have defiled the altar, but not the world. Yet Christ has placed the atonement on the altar for you. Bring your perceptions of the world to this altar, for it is the altar of truth. There you will see your vision change, for there you will learn to see truly. From this place, where God and his Son dwell in peace and where you are welcome, you will look out in peace and behold the world truly. Yet to find this place, you must relinquish your investment in the world as you have projected it, allowing the Holy Spirit to project the real world to you from the altar to God. What is one cannot be perceived as separate and the denial of the separation is the reinstatement of knowledge. At the altar of God, the holy perception of God's Son becomes so enlightened that light streams into it and the Spirit of God's Son shines in the mind of the Father and becomes one with it. Very gently does God shine upon himself loving the extension of himself, which is his son. The world has no purpose as it blends into the purpose of God, for the real world has slipped quietly into heaven where everything eternal in it has always been. There the Redeemer and the redeemed join in perfect love of God and of each other. Heaven is your home, and being in God must also be in you. Well, you know what? Now, speaking of relinquishing investment, um, seems to me a perfect time to uh, take a holy pause for our lesson this morning. Turn it over to you, Fred. Thank you so much. That was great. Thank you, Laurie. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and we today we are on Lesson 130. It is impossible to see two worlds. So I shall read some from the lesson, and then we will do a five-minute practice on the lesson. Okay. It is impossible to see two worlds. Perception is consistent. What you see reflects your thinking, and your thinking but reflects your choice of what you want to see. No one can see a world his mind has not accorded value, and no one can fail to look upon what he believes he wants. Who can desire what he does not want to have reality? Fear must make blind, for this its weapon is, that which you fear to see you cannot see. 
What then can fear project upon the world? What can be seen in darkness that is real? Fear has made everything you think you see. All separation, all distinctions, and the multitude of differences you believe make up the world. They are not there. Today, we will not seek for them nor waste this day in seeking not what cannot be found. It is impossible to see two worlds which have no overlap of any kind. Seek for the one, the other disappears, but one remains. Today, we will attempt no compromise where none is possible. What we would learn today is more than just the lesson that you cannot see two worlds. It also teaches that the one you see is quite consistent with the point of view from which you see it. Six times today, in thanks and gratitude, we gladly give five minutes to the thought which ends all compromise and doubt and go beyond them all as one. Begin your searching for the other world by asking for a strength beyond your own and recognize what it is you seek. You do not want illusions and you come to these five minutes emptying your hands of all the petty treasures of this world. You wait for God to help you as you say, it is impossible to see two worlds. Let me accept the strength God offers me and see no value in this world that I may find my freedom and deliverance. God will be there. Accept a little part of hell is real and you have damned your eyes and cursed your sight and what you will behold is hell indeed. All you need say to any part of hell, whatever form it takes, is simply this. It is impossible to see two worlds. I seek my freedom and deliverance and this is not a part of what I want. So we'll take a five-minute practice now. Lesson 130, it is impossible to see two worlds.
Who can desire what he does not want to have reality? Lesson 130, it is impossible to see two worlds. Amen. That was so beautiful. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thanks, Fran. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Fran. Fran, did you want to make a comment? If not, I will. I'm going to. <laughs> no, you you make one. That sounds good. Okay. Okay. Um, wow. I was so I felt so privileged and glad that I got to read the first paragraph and the last paragraph, and it sort of started a theme in my in my mind, which was. It is impossible to see two worlds. This world, that um, the egoic world, which my body's eyes see, is based in slavery and death. God's world is based in freedom and everlasting life. Um, since the beginning of time on this planet, there's been slavery. There's been landlords, you know, to replace my Lord, my God in heaven. I now have a landlord who rules over me, and I am now a slave. And that's not, that's not the, those aren't the laws of God. Slavery is not the laws of God, and I belong to God. And I never have to be a slave if I'm not afraid to die. That's another thing that goes on on this planet. It's survival of the fittest. Like, we got to survive. I don't have to survive. I just have to bring love to this planet. That's the, my only function here, is to bring love to me and to this planet. I don't have to survive. So if somebody wants to rule over me, using laws other than the laws of God, I can simply walk away and take a bullet to the head very easily. In fact, I've thought, you know, because I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. I don't care about dying. I don't want to suffer. And I thought, hey, the, the most humane way to, to not suffer is a bullet to the head. It's quick. It's easy. It's done. I'm done. So I never have to be a slave. I can simply walk away. I'm complete. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Sandra. Sandra. I know exactly what you mean. This is Ida. Hi. I love this lesson. It is impossible to see two worlds. I have seen a lot, and partially by my own choice of the world of the ego recently. And it has been, as uh, she described it, and more. However, I have heard that that world is going away. That world is collapsing. And we will have a new world based on love and God is love. And in any case, I can have a new world. 
by following the lessons like this one and seeking to love and forgive so that I can see somewhat at least if not the whole real world we can all do that today and that will make us feel much better <laughs> thank you so much I'm complete Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Good morning. Um, it's Karen. I just want to say that in the real world, today, um, earlier in the other call, I was opening to the Christ light, and I just had this feeling like all of the people on the call were holding hands, and the light was coming down. And we were all standing together to give each other strength, to give each other strength in the light, to be in the real world and not to, not to uh, interpret the world of the ego, the false world, as real, not to take it to heart, you know, not to give it our power. And then it felt like the, the circle got bigger and it included my Hindu community and it and it included my other spiritual community my original spiritual community and then it felt like it was including of course this call and then it was including it not Hans community and it was including um, Eckhart Tolle's community and it was including um, Sri Tvarapriyananda Advaita Vedanta's community and it was just like all these light beings were just all holding together in the unity of God's love to bring the light into this world of darkness to bring reverence and peace and gratitude and beauty on the earth again and that we're all holding together the Christ light that we want to hold together the Christ light even you know of course I know I slip up and have you know I have a lot of impurity that needs to be um, brought into the light and put on the altar like our reading said today but but willingness and intention and a devotional attitude to God and a longing for God and an openness to God and to the atonement and to accepting truth and we're all doing that together and I just had this sense that the power of all of us as one in the light in the Christ mind we are so blessed you know I was talking to someone yesterday about the horizontal plane versus the vertical alignment and in that we're in the vertical alignment where we're not 
subject to the past and the future and all the complexities of the ego's nightmare. And and we just hold together. And it's so important that we hold together in the real world because the false world is so heavy and dark right now. I mean, not only for our own safety and strength, but to help the people out there, you know, to help what's going on in the in the uh, ego illusion, help people awaken. You know, they sleep. The Holy Spirit is waiting, but they sleep. Anyway, that's all I want to say. The real world, we are so blessed to have each other, to hold together. I'm complete. That was beautiful, Karen. You just described how revelation and miracles work together. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you. I so agree. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. You warmed my heart. And thank everybody who's been sharing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And everybody who's been listening. Sharing and listening are like the baby and the mother. When I was a new mother taking my babies off for a stroll, everybody used to compliment the babies, but nobody said anything nice about the mother. But if there was no one to listen, eventually no one would share anything. So listening is just as important as as talking. Thank you. (laughs) That was just great, Ida. That was just great. Thank you, Ida. Translation of giving and receiving. Thank you. Um, Thank you. (laughs) It's Karen again. Can I add one more thing? Um, About the real world and the world of the ego mind. Um... I wrote this song, and it just feels really, like, important to say it out loud. The warriors are on the path today. The battle is at hand. We're fighting for our planet's sake, for love to claim this land. The masters have called for their outposts to rise and shine their light. For the refugees are fleeing now from a dark and painful night. And the angels of truth have sounded the call for the warriors of light. Where will the people wander now? How will the children learn? If not for the warriors who bear thy name, the tides could not be turned. The warriors are on the path today. The battle is at hand. We're fighting for our planet's sake, for love to claim this land. Um... Oh, I love that. I love that you can do that. Thank you. So beautiful. Thank you. Wow. So beautiful. This is Robin Reed, and I wanted to share one really, really tiny, really teeny tiny story, but a very powerful one, and that is there's this little girl named Ava who has dimples on her cheeks, and she's very golden-skinned. 
and she's very grounded and peaceful. And she comes often to me with a little tiny flower, usually like the scarlet pumpernels, the little orange ones, or the little tiny daisies that grow, the, uh, the chamomile flowers. She comes to me and she gives me this little flower in her tiny little hand and she says, I picked this for your mother. <laughs> and it's so sweet, you know, because here I am at 76 and I always accept it for my mother because my mother was that quiet spirit. She didn't talk very much, but she listened a lot. Thank you. Oh, that was so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Robin Marie. Thank Karen, I loved your song. And Robin Marie, you didn't sound, you never have sounded like a 76-year-old woman to me. You have sounded more like 16. You have a great voice. Um, I'm reminded of the story of the, about, I think she was about four-year-old girl at a Christmas party where I really basically didn't know anybody and felt out of it and stuff like that. And, uh, I was paying attention to her playing with the other kids. There's something about her. I don't know. And um, she had this long hair. But anyway, um, so at some point I got up to go to the bathroom. Uh, when I came out of the bathroom, there she was between five and ten feet away from me. And all she did was raise her left arm up in the air. And I got this tremendous download of We've been waiting for you for all time. You are supposed to be here. We are your family. And all this stuff to a four-year-old girl. <laughs> it's amazing. And the new generations and uh, what's coming through them as well as the rest of us. Thank you. So powerful. Thank you, Ida. Every morning for probably about three weeks, I have been inspired to get up and take my trash and or recycle out, even if those are only one or two things. And I was just obedient, and I did it. I did it for the reason I thought I was doing it, to get some early morning walking exercises to make sure I do some walking. That's that's what I thought the purpose was. <laughs> I should have known when it became such a habit that, that no way Donna could have done that. But anyway, so this morning, <clears throat> when I <clears throat> pardon me, on the way back, my mind got blown away when I saw what we were reading today. So just this morning, on the way back from the recycle. I began to say to myself, 
There's no trash. There's no cigarette butts on the ground. In the real world, they're not there. And I, as I walked across in the real world, the sun doesn't hurt my eyes. And as I walked across the parking lot, I began to confess that all the things I was seeing weren't there. And, and, and claiming that I was in the real world. That just popped into my head. So imagine how blown away I was when we, when I, not only yesterday's lesson, but today's, and the reading, I was living already. Actually living already. I've been trying to figure out, well, how do I see the real world? And um, as a result, <laughs> the pen started writing. <clears throat> to t- so to try to keep this short, um, I'll begin to say this, this stuff out loud, too. But this was new to my mind. So I see the real world by choice. I have been wrong to reinforce the physical phenomenal world I seemingly walk through. I deny the world by seeing the world of trash. I choose to confess the real world with my thoughts to begin constant in establishing my desire to behold the real world rather than the illusion my eyes of the blind, my sleepy eyes, show me. It's because I've been trying so hard to not see my smoking neighbors, even though I claim them as Christ. But I don't have to reinforce that. This is an illusion. What am I? What are? What is out there? Christ. They are Christ. My God, they are perfect. And yet, I'm choosing to pick the little teeny aspect that that irritates me out and claim that's what they are engulfed in. Who who knows? <laughs> they might not be smoking. I might be that person. So it's so magnificent to open these lessons and find out the Holy Spirit's already incorporating them into this mind. I am not what I thought I was in a world where I thought I was doing what I thought I was. I'm in a world as Christ, with Christ, coming to know Christ's oneness. I am blessed indeed by this getting together. Oh, that was a real blessing, Donna. Thank you very much for sharing that. Thank you. Carrying that through the day. Thank you, Donna. Enjoy your day, Donna. Thank you.
Hi, it's Karen again. Um, I just loved the, this reading. It was one of the most beautiful readings, the vision of Christ. It talks about how the Holy Spirit perceives nothing in us but our soul, that, he, that the Holy Spirit is our strength because we don't know each other. We don't know ourselves. But he remembers us who we are and he teaches us to remember. I love that God is in our memories. It's so true, you know, when I was a child or a young person or a teenager, I knew I belonged to God. Even in the darkest times, I knew, I knew God was real and I knew that God was there. And um, I really, really love this one line. The first Self-value comes from self-extension. Self-value comes from self-extension. And that to me means when I'm open and I am um, open to the divine, the love of God, I open to the love of God and I receive God's love. And I am open to extending God's love through me, even if it's just, you know, metaphysically as an energy or a light. That openness. I I feel valuable when that when I'm in that alignment. It says make the real un, make the world real unto yourself. For the real world is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The perception of self-value comes from the projection projection of loving thoughts outward. In that alignment to to the divine my mind is kind. My mind projects loving thoughts when I'm in that alignment. And that makes the world real. And that makes me have value. And then everything external dissolves in that light. So I'm not looking to the external world to validate me. I'm not looking to my experiences in the world to give me uh, approval or not approval, you know. It has nothing to do with anything, and it doesn't even have a, a past reference point because the past is, is dissolved. When the, when the light of God is extending through me, I feel valuable because I belong to God. And that extension of loving thoughts establishes me in the real world. And it tells me that when um, the Holy Spirit has led me to the altar of Christ, my perceptions will fuse into knowledge because my perception becomes so holy, it transfers to holiness. Love transfers to love without any interference. The natural extension. That's the natural extension. That's our natural state. Love transferring out to love and everything becoming holy until everything is changed to knowledge and there is no other world. I'm complete. Thank you. That was a beautiful summary. Thank you, Karen. And I love your image. Yeah. Natural. Amen. 
Thank you, Karen. Thank you, And Karen. thank you for that amazing poem. Thank you. I got this song. Of course, in Course in Miracles, this was written a long, long time ago, but in Course in Miracles, there's no war. <laughs> so I, if I were going to rewrite it now, I would take out the idea of it being a war. You know, it's not a war. It's a gentle opening to the truth that does all everything. So there's no warriors of love. There's no battle. You know, it's the opposite. We are not in a battle anymore. We rest in God. We don't even have to fight the illusion. I mean, the people on the earlier call know that there's some really heavy, dark stuff going on right now, and my daughter is going to court tomorrow, and it's just, I can't even tell you what the falsehood is, the projections of what they're saying is happening is just unreal, just unreal. And Reverend Pam said, he said something to someone else, but it was, in essence it was saying, give other people the permission to think and say what they need to say. And, and just stand in love. There's no battle. There's no battle. Even if they lie, let them have the freedom to lie. It's not my problem. I rest in God. She didn't say it in those words. That's paraphrased, but... Um, we are so blessed to have this community and to hold in the light together and let the light be our strength and our unity be our strength. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. There is Thank just you, one way that feels that feels right. And um, you, you remind me of the gift of, for me it was in 2018, when I noticed it was almost through gritted teeth I was saying love trumps hate and I thought um, this is not natural um, indeed love is much greater than hate but to make that expression through gritted teeth as if there's something to fight uh, doesn't feel good at all and um, and to me, that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. When it feels good, it's right. That's why I love that opening of the heart as a compass. And uh, heart will never, ever um, make its exclamations through gritted teeth. Um, it's more like, uh, as Lemoyne says, a quiet melting in. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, you, expressed it, you expressed it really beautifully. Complete. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Karen. And I stand with you in upholding the truth, both the relative truth about the situation and the capital T universal truth which we are studying and um, upholding the truth um, without bitterness or rancor but with forgiveness in your heart bless you my dear I'm complete
Beautiful. Bless you, Ida. Thank you. It strikes me um, what we're talking about here is from the Miracle Principles where he says atonement becomes the natural expression of the children of God. And as you share my inability to tolerate lack of love in yourself and others, you join the Great Crusade to do something about it. The motto of the crusade is listen, learn, and do. Learn, listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. Learn to undo error. And then do something about it. The doing part is always through Christ's guidance, through the heart, through that natural impulse to respond um, from love. And I'm so grateful Uh, for that natural impulse because on my own uh, I would never ever know how to respond to things that um, that seem dark you know Uh, they seem dark when I'm seen with my own eyes but when I'm seen with the light of Christ's vision there is a natural response that I'll always be led to unfailingly. And I emphasize the word response versus react. When I find myself in a reactive mode um, to something I know I've judged. And um, without judgment, I have a natural response that my heart will always align with. So, Donna, when you say, I'm not who I thought I was, indeed, none of us are who we thought we were. Uh, When we touch that quiet, responsive place within us and discover there is a light through which we can see, um, it's just purely natural uh, to see in that way. Um, For the longest time, I thought, Uh, Christ's vision was an aspiration, but unattainable. And it turns out, uh, for me, that the more of my own error I let go, my own um, judgment I let go, the more light there is by which I can see. And, And it's then down to discover that um, I need not be reactive to anything. But as you say, stand in the light and um, let the light of Christ do whatever needs to be done. Willingness is all it takes for that. Willingness not to judge. I, I looked this morning at one of my favorite sections in the Manual for Teachers. It's section 10, how is judgment relinquished? And my favorite line in that section is, by learning not to judge, he has merely become more honest. 
Isn't that beautiful? Uh, that none of us uh, were ever in a position to make a judgment and that everything I ever suffered from was a consequence of a dark light that I cast with my own mind. And I need not do that. I need but fall back into uh, the responsive place of the heart. And everything effortful uh, will be done for me um, so naturally. I love this section too. Uh, especially very gently does the mind of the Father shine into the mind of the Son. And when I forget, um, I simply remember if I'm if I'm seeing ego, I'm seeing with my ego. But if I'm seeing light, I'm seeing with the light of Christ. And so I always choose, always choose between my own weakness and, and the strength of Christ in me. On my own, uh, it would be impossible. But the great good news is that none of us are on our own and complete. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. This is Steve. <clears throat> Whenever I hear on my own, I can't do it myself. What's from up until recently, I always had this other thing, like this godly thing or the Holy Spirit thing, other than my higher right mind thinking. But of late, I've been just remembering that this is my own intimate loving self with a capital S, not some uh, partitioned out in my mind other than me. Sure, other than this small ego me, but it's not some other. It's my own highest uh, guide who is me, who is my voice, who's always been with me. So the veil of the other and being uh, I can't do it alone, I, I can't. I am embracing the other as my very own capital self. Big deal for me. I'm complete. That's a huge deal, Steve. Huge deal. Yeah. Love that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I worked with that for a long time, Steve. Um, because early on I'd been given this dream where I knew for certain I need to do nothing and in the dream it was just a boat with Christ at the rudder and his wind in the sails and I had nothing to do but just sit there and uh, and the idea yeah, here, was, here was my mistaken idea that Christ was other than me and, and I thought it seemed as though this is why Christ's vision was difficult for me and you expressed it very well it seemed as though 
um, for, I mean, I have an image of Jesus in my mind that I love so much. But there's this thing that wants him or somehow needs him to stay in his body that I stay in mine. And um, I think I'm learning <laughs> um, experientially that um, that need for him to be other than me is something I can let go of. It uh, is something deeper than I can put into words. But I think you did it very well. I'm complete. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. Yes, I and my Father are one is not an exclusive relationship between Jesus and God. It's what we're all doing in being a, 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 an older brother. I'm complete. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. And perhaps externalizing God inside of me or objectifying God inside of me may be a form of idol worship. I'm complete. Donna, I'm finding this book, Course in Miracles, is living. It's a, the living word of God. It has life and life more abundant. And it's so fabulous because I'm having experience, and I think this is the third it started, it started clearly in my consciousness on uh, the first Friday of this month, although I know that it was there prior to that, where I am actually living this word before I come to it physically in a class. And it's so perfect as if I had been 
up 24-7 studying this word and the truth of it is, I have. Because anybody else who diligently applies Jesus' instruction to study these lessons throughout the day, somebody's doing that every minute of every single day of every single year in this world. And I'm, I'm seeing that the Holy Spirit can teach the unteachable. He can discipline the undisciplinable and make habitual divine behaviors in individuals that are not able to form habits. This has just become so graphically real for me that it is indeed mind-blowing. And I'm very grateful to have come, to have been brought to this class by the Holy Spirit itself and to have found such diligent souls so diligently seeking, so divinely loving. Uh, And I am blessed, and I am grateful, and thank God it is so. I am complete. Oh, boy, that's great, Donna. Living word, indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. That's another word to, um, or another way to describe just the word devotion that Karen talked about. And you said it so well, Donna. Thank you. The, um, the great significance of the word altar is um, is something I think I know our Father wants to reveal to all of us. So many lessons are directed in that in that way, and um, and when I find that altar within me, I know that. There is an insatiable longing in the soul that can be satisfied only in that place. I woke up thinking this morning of just the phrase, insatiable longing. 
That was the first thought that came to my mind when I woke up. And um, I thought of all those years after my mother died where I felt so deeply that insatiable longing. And by insatiable, I meant um, I'd rather not be here, you know? And... um, and, I, and so when I felt that phrase, insatiable longing, I thought, oh my God, I can't go back to that state of desiring what can't be desired. Now, this section is the answer to desiring what can be desired now. It turns out that the vertical relationship of the soul to God is the same as the horizontal relationship of the soul to the sonship. Without both, without both, I learned the very hard way uh, that this insatiable longing remains insatiable. But because of what we do here every morning together, I've realized that the insatiable longing is found and satisfied and completed through Christ's vision. It's a circle, you see, of giving and receiving, receiving and giving. And when I give give my mind to Holy Spirit to use as he sees fit, something wonderful happens that completes that sense of insatiable longing, satisfies the soul in its thirst now. Not some of the time. I don't have to die to have that. I need but let the insatiable longing be satisfied in you and you and you and you. And um, to me, that describes Christ's vision just about as best I can in words. It's the satisfaction of the soul's longing for completion in God. It can only be satisfied now as I see God in you and you and all creation. That's how I take my part in that great circle that you described, Karen, where we hold hands together. It's only when I take my part in that circle that I can realize, and by realize I mean capital R-E-A-L-I-C-E, the satisfaction of the soul's longing. That's what this reading and this lesson today means to me. And for that, I have only to thank the Sonship, uh, who is the sum of all God's souls. And when we find our place in that circle, um, where is hell now? (laughs) Anyway, thank you, everyone. In so many places, I... I thought to end this recording this morning, so it was a surprise to me that 
I landed on this place. It's the recognition of holiness in chapter 14. Where he says, merely by being what it is, does truth release you from everything it is not. The atonement is so gentle you need but whisper to it and all its power will rush to your assistance and support. You are not frail with God beside you. Yet without him, you are nothing. The atonement offers you God. In the temple, holiness at the altar waits quietly for the return of them that love it. The presence knows that they will return to purity and grace and the graciousness of God will take them gently in and cover all their sense of pain and loss with the immortal assurance of their Father's love. Their fear of death will be replaced with joy of living, for God is life, and they abide in life. Life is as holy as the holiness by which it was created. The presence of holiness lives in everything that lives, for holiness created life and leaves not what it created holy as itself. In this world, you can become a spotless mirror in which the holiness of your Creator shines forth from you to all around you. You can reflect heaven here. Clean but the mirror and the message which shines forth from what the mirror holds out for everyone to see no one can fail to understand. It is the message that the Holy Spirit is holding to the mirror that is in him. He recognizes it because he's been taught for his need for it and knows not where to look to find it. Let him then see it in you and share it with you. This is the power of feeling. Amen. And I thank you all for joining here every morning and sharing your hearts. Uh, it's a beautiful thing we do that ripples out through the collective consciousness. Amen. Oh, thank you so much, Lori. Thank you. Thank you all.